Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of fascinating stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. The show is supported by Illustration X. Go and take a look at their incredible global range of illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com. If you like the music for the show, go and listen to Dirty Freud over on Spotify and all good music platforms now. Today is the book Kickstarter campaign for the Creative Condition launches. I'm releasing an exclusive first chapter reading. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you'll consider pledging to get this book off the ground for a March 2024 release. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing? I hope you're well. My name is Ben Talon and now things are in motion for the Creative Condition book Kickstarter campaign. That's why I'm here today and that's why I'm giving you an exclusive chapter from the Creative Condition. Hopefully to whet your appetite and give you a flavour of what's to come. Um, the show is as ever kindly supported by Illustration X, my representative in the illustration world, and also the representative of hundreds of incredibly talented global illustrators and animators, and you can see all of those portfolios now at illustrationx.com. How are you doing, guys? I was absolutely shell-shocked by the first day of the Kickstarter campaign. And a few friends, when I said this, flagged up the fact that I have been supporting and championing, trying to educate about creativity for, well, a decade now. Seven years on this podcast, ten years since the start of my charity campaign, exploring the emotional benefits of artistic expression with Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Um, And I've done it for very little. I get a little sponsorship from Illustration X and I've had a little bit more along the way, but it's, you know, it's only ever covered costs. So I do this stuff as a complete labour of love. And I guess with the noise of the internet, you know, I expected this thing just to kind of come out, maybe get a little initial tickle of love and then just sink, you know? I think that's the, the pessimism with all the digital noise and the din out there that we have. So when I got near a third on day one of my target goal of £9,000 to produce this book independently, I was completely flabbergasted by that. And like I said, the friends weren't exactly surprised for those reasons, but you do, there's a modesty, there's a, a certain imposter syndrome, I think, that comes about, and we've talked about that, you know, a lot on the show. So a massive thank you if you're a part of those who pledged or anyone who shared or given this show some love over the years because it is my cause it is my life's cause not just my career you know my life has been illuminated by creativity and by the relationships and the career I've been able to enjoy through my love of creativity and my exploration of it and that's why I do the show and that's why I want to do more with this model so I'm here today to read you an exclusive chapter as a bonus episode of the podcast I hope you enjoy it I hope it's of some use and I do hope it whets your appetite and I hope you'll consider pledging to the Kickstarter. You can head there now to any of my social channels or LinkedIn and find um, 
the information that you need. There are prints, exclusively foiled prints by Foilco. There are paperbacks, there are eBooks, there are book bundles with champagne and wax crayons. There's so much out there. But without further ado, here is the chapter from The Creative Condition by, by, by me, Ben Tallon. Part one, bigger than art. Chapter one, what is creativity? It would be very arty of me to launch into a book about creativity without confronting the monster question. What is creativity? It starts with human consciousness, a result of a three-way collision of self-awareness, curiosity and our innate need to impose order on the world around us. I adored psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, summation of consciousness in the 1990 book Flow. The function of consciousness is to represent information about what is happening outside and inside the organism in such a way that it can be evaluated and acted upon by the body. In this sense, it functions as a clearinghouse for sensations, perceptions, feelings and ideas, establishing priorities among all the diverse information. Without consciousness, we would still know what is going on, but we would have to react in a reflexive, instinctive way. With consciousness, we can deliberately weigh what the senses tell us and respond accordingly, and we can also invent information that did not exist before. It is because we have consciousness that we can daydream, make up lies, and write beautiful poems and scientific theories. In his 1996 book, Creativity, the Psychology of Discovery and Invention, Mihaly describes creativity as an idea or action that is new or valuable. In his iconic TED talk, Do Schools Kill Creativity? Late author Sir Ken Robinson defined creativity as the process of having original ideas that have value. In his mind-bending book, Out of Our Minds, The Power of Being Creative, Sir Ken uses the beautifully distilled description, Applied Imagination. When I began observing creativity consciously, somewhere around the age of 17, I enjoyed trying to spot everyone's variation of it. Too many people doubted their own creativity and would go to great lengths to deny that they had any capacity for it, for reasons we'll come on to shortly. I was an art student and I drew, so everyone said that I was creative. And I was. Ironically, not via my drawing back then, but through humour and storytelling in my day-to-day -day life. But so were the people telling me that I was, but they wouldn't have it. Not like you though, was the common response. It didn't take me long to recognise the importance of separating creativity from artistry, to see creativity's key and varied roles in our lives. Back then, spending my days surrounded by all kinds of creatives, I bought into the idea of some people being more creative than others. That now seems like a misleading and distorted way to look at things. Once you chase the artistry bit away, it's easy enough to see that people are predisposed to certain types of creativity, then affected by their nurturing environments. We are born with certain measurable abilities, athleticism, good memory, or artistic talent, but it is counterproductive to view something as complex as creativity in the same way. Artistry relates more to form and making, usually involving a talent or taste. Whether a thing or person is artistic is at least, in part, a subjective consideration. My mother-in-law can be artistic in her summer flower arrangements, yet she would argue against this assessment. Neither of us will be right or wrong. Creativity is a human preset. Legendary record producer Rick Rubin beautifully captures this idea in his book, The Creative Act, A Way of Being. A tuned choice by a tuned choice, your entire life is a form of self-expression. 
You are a creative being in a creative universe, a singular work of art. Artistry and creativity are intertwined in a famed relationship, and art is indeed one of the most treasured and rightly celebrated trophies in the human cabinet. But I've come to consider this lazy, default pairing, a catastrophic mistake and an unnecessary roadblock for people who, despite a lack of artistry, might otherwise better engage with their creativity to greater life fulfilment. Ideas and making or changing are the foundational components of creativity, but making, while still a natural human activity, is a gift shared by countless other species. Making in isolation, without ideas, or the ability to visualise the final product's onward life cycle, is merely an action or process. Imagination, in isolation, only serves to alter the mood or mindset of the person doing the imagining. We could theoretically revolutionise all of existence in complex thought and visions, and believe me, I've started revolutions in my head. Haven't we all? An unexpressed idea, no matter how complex or simple its form, cannot live anywhere but in thought, without the chance to begin, as designer and artist Graham Wood beautifully described to me its constant state of becoming. An action, a medium, and a social and cultural context are required for an imagining to amount to creativity. There are countless forms these actions can assume, verbal, physical, mathematical, symbolic, written, to name a few. This could take place on a computer, in a dance, a rap, a laboratory, a sporting manoeuvre, at a meal table, a calculation. But thanks, but thanks to the artistic misconception, people don't see the creativity in their day-to-day lives for what it is, a life-defining gift. For the last decade of his career, my dad worked in a hospital. His role evolved from porter into something far more varied that defied any description. He's extremely personable and went to great lengths beyond the call of duty to help the patients he encountered every day. I took great joy from his stories about settling distressed, often elderly patients through means of distraction, conversation, humour and simple acts of kindness such as making tea and toast for them, something for which he was featured in the local newspaper. Of course, as a Yorkshireman, born in the mid-1950s, my dad would never admit to creativity within, but I can assure you these actions would not have been possible without his creativity. What he did was not easy in an underfunded, struggling UK health system where these patients had to spend time in corridors on makeshift beds. In particular, it called on another foundation of creativity, innovation, as he made the best of what he had to work with. In every waking hour of our lives, humans consume the world around us consciously and subconsciously via the senses, internally process this information and, through our individualised filters, form and express ideas through actions. It is at that point of expression that we create. We are creative. There is no subjectivity here, no argument to be had. Creativity is humanity's very cornerstone, a chief reason for our survival in hard times. Making clothes, building and adapting shelter, avoiding a grisly death at the hands of predators and staying ahead of deadly viruses all required it. I'm a very social person and I benefited from an extremely varied abundance of friendships and acquaintances. The ones who lack any belief that they are creative are often just as, and sometimes more creative than the artists or designers in my life. But the artistic myth is so embedded in social conscience that shifting this perception of creativity is a mighty challenge. We can all be practical, we can all be creative, but to what degree is determined by our individual nature and nurture? Yet we continue to attribute creativity, the more glamorous and glorified of the two, to those who wow us with artistry. Even if we tried not to create in our lives, we would fail, or die, 
or suffer in some way because the physical world in which we live is constantly changing. We must always adapt. We cannot do that without creativity. Just watch children. They are funny, playful, inventive, responsive and dynamic. They soak up their environment and constantly to learn and to keep growing. They do not place barriers between the things in their world that interest, amuse and excite them, or box ideas into rigid categories like adults tend to. I'll discuss Leonardo da Vinci later in this book, but suffice to say he was one of the greatest polymaths of all time, who recognised the need to maintain this childlike curiosity and fearlessness traversed to traverse far and wide across fields and schools of thought as he studied the world around him. Sadly, the structure of our societies, education systems and economies render him an extreme outlier and it's hard to overstate how tragic that is. The following excerpt is from Sensitive, The Power of a Thoughtful Mind in an Overwhelming World by Jen Granerman and Andre Solo. I found it particularly pertinent to the importance of regarding creativity completely separate from the arts. Wired to make connections between vastly different concepts, the sensitive mind can blend frames of reference without ever leaving home. Sensitive people are perhaps the ultimate polymaths, thinking not in terms of science or poetry or lived experience or hopes and dreams, but in terms of the themes that run across them all. Many sensitive people speak this way too, readily offering metaphors and linking different topics to make a point. This creativity doesn't operate alone. It is built on the next three gifts of sensitivity. Sensory intelligence, depth of processing and depth of emotion, which together add up to a creative mind. We do not grow out of these childhood instincts to explore as we reach our adulthood, but it gets so much harder to act upon them. Stifling something so fundamental to what we are, which capitalism makes it easy for us to do, causes creative inertia, or worse, deep unhappiness. Rod Tweedy, writing in Red Pepper, uses political theorist Karl Marx as a great example of this. For me, the key concern of Marx and one that is constantly neglected or misunderstood, is his view on the centrality and importance of human creativity and productivity. Man's colossal productive power, as he calls it. Marx refers to this extraordinary world transformative energy and agency as our active species life, our species being, our physical and spiritual energies. But these immense creative energies and transformative capacities are, he notes, under the present system, immediately taken from us and converted into something alien, objective, enslaving, fetishised. Capitalism is not conducive to creativity on a broad scale. We have to hustle and scratch and claw to make a living in increasingly unstable economies. And when all is said and done each day, each week, we are left in a drained state, dozing off in front of the TV in the evenings, kicking that project or idea or desire down the road to the gradual detriment of the soul. But external factors are ever present in life, in any system or environment. They shape our decision making, our confidence and our ability to follow the heart and it's a constant battle to find our way. But this isn't something we should waste time complaining about. The responsibility to fight for the conditions to be creative on our own terms is ours alone. It's a strange thought that we have to be creative to create the time to be creative. <laughs> we can't just bemoan our misfortune and give up. Even if we had our perfect vision of creative bliss realised, would it really be everything? In utopia, without cause and grievance, I don't believe creativity would flourish the way it does with a balance of, without, with a balance of adversity and beneficial circumstances. I think we've become bored quite quickly. But let's not get too deep too early. To return to my point, 
Understanding creativity in humans, seeing what it is, was and can be, is an astoundingly big void in social conscience. It's really quite simple. Dicey jokes, ridiculous suggestions, problems solved in unexpected ways, anecdotes, doodles, written lines, a child's moving of an action figure from one place to another according to the imagined narrative, a nod in the direction of a person, an annoying raise of the eyebrow to communicate an idea to a friend, a tactic to divert a child from a risky situation, all potential acts of creativity. I have always encouraged and teased creativity out of people, because, whether unknowingly or unknowingly, when they create, they are illuminated. Those who experience the creativity of another get to bask in their glow. This could be a Hollywood movie, or a child feeling the vibrant energy of a grandparent helping them solve a puzzle. Creativity is the inevitability of our self-awareness, the very thing that makes us unique in the animal kingdom. Without creativity, we'd just be slightly sexier chimps. Creativity gives colour to the human path through life. Without it, we just spend our lives solving the next problem, and, as self-aware creatures, we require more than this in order to be happy and fulfilled. Without creativity, our quality of life fades and looks like a book left out in the sun too long. The entwining of artistry and creativity has contributed to the often marginalised role of creativity in education and social systems. If it were prioritised, as it ought to be, surely more of us would think independently and question the world around us with persistence and intensity, seeking to innovate and improve it, calling upon our imaginations. Instead, we judge what little we understand of ourselves with exams, salaries, the opinions of others, and social media popularity, and await sentencing according to the demands of the economy and expectations of others, long before we've had the chance to access our creativity and learn how to make better decisions for fulfilment on our own terms. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that first chapter excerpt, setting the stage and exploring the idea of what creativity is, the monster question. Um, as I've mentioned in some of the social posts, I, this book really did push me to my intellectual limits as somebody who was um, screamingly average at school because I never engaged with something that I felt passion for beyond the occasional bit of writing in English or art or sport. This was unusual to me, you know, to really commit to research of something and really get under the skin of such a monster topic like creativity. But I've really become passionate about it and I loved it. And you might have noticed that reflected in the podcast guests, which, you know, are increasingly broad ranging from scientists to firefighters to ex-convicts. I've always had interest in human creativity right across the board, not just in the old, you know, artistic depiction of it. So anyway, thank you very much, guys, for listening. I hope you enjoy it. On to the next one. Next show I'm going to be coming up is Julia Hasting, the creative director of Fiden, as Fiden are in their 100th centenary year. What an achievement. What a beautiful bibliography from that publisher of art books. I'm sure you've got one on your shelf right now. Um, it's a good show. Julia was a lot of fun to chat to, uh, and you're going to enjoy that one next week. Catch you soon. Please do head over to the Kickstarter and consider contributing. Uh, spread the word. Any help you can offer is greatly, greatly appreciated, guys, because this book means the world to me, and I really want to make it reality. And I need your help to do so. Big thank you to the sponsor of the show, Illustration X. You can check them out now. They're global roster of artists, illustrators and animators at illustrationx.com. Have a great week, guys. I'll see you on the Kickstarter. Take care.